0: All right. It has been a blessing to be here. Thank you for allowing us to come. And uh, we got in just in time to help, and uh, we enjoy helping uh, where we can and uh, pitching in. I've never been a wedding crasher before. That's a first for us, so that's great. (laughs) can add that to our resume. Amen. And uh, just uh, thank you so much to, to you folks again just for your investment in our our ministry in our lives, and uh, we just appreciate that and are humbled by it. And uh, you know, uh, you know, we give we give to missions too, uh, and but we get to go around to people that uh, you know we're a lot of times on the receiving, but we also give. But uh, it, it's great to be able to come back to people that have given and have been a part of our our ministry and giving specifically to. Our, our ministry and uh, just to thank them and uh, to know that, uh, you know, we're, we're doing what we can to get the gospel around the world. And so uh, just thank you for that investment. Now take your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Luke. Book of Luke chapter 7. Also just uh, thank you for allowing us to stay at the Mission House. It's really a beautiful place. I think that's uh, new since we didn't we, we we didn't we weren't we didn't stay in the mission house because I don't think it existed back when we came through last ten years ago and so that's a blessing and uh, we appreciate it we're getting kind of spoiled to uh, talking to our house okay Google hey Google you know I don't know if that's going to do something now <laughs> I think uh, um, uh, we Caleb accidentally said hey Google turn off all the lights. <laughs> And then we read, "Don't use the word all." <laughs> like, so I don't know if that affected you guys or not. Okay, that's good. So, um, but anyways, uh, but they it worked. All the lights went off. <laughs> so, but it was a blessing. So um, it, it's been great. So thank you for that as well. Uh, Luke chapter seven. And if you'll find when you find your place, go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. Luke chapter seven verses 1 through 10 this morning the bible says in verse 1 now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people he entered into capernaum and a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die and when he heard of jesus he sent unto him the elders of the jews beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant and when they came to jesus they besought him instantly saying That he was worthy for whom he should do this, for he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them. And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but saying a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I am For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent returning to the house found the servant whole that had been sick. I want to draw your attention this morning to that phrase uh, there, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. So great faith. I want to talk this morning about the man that amazed Jesus, okay? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Word of God and thank you so much for uh, the power of your Word. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, just take the Word of God today and use it Uh, as you would see fit. Lord, I pray that you would use this preacher. Lord, I have notes before me and things, but Lord, I just need the Holy Spirit of God to speak through me. And Lord, I just pray that you would use the message that's on my heart uh, to challenge each uh, one here today, whether uh, a Christian uh, or someone who may not know Christ as their Savior. Lord, I just pray that they would see from the Word of God how they can Accept you as their Savior this morning. And Lord, I just pray that you would work in our midst this morning, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I believe that we're living in a time, and I think you would all agree, that our faith is under attack. Bible believing Christians are under attack. Uh, people that believe in and stand. Uh, uh, without compromise on the truth of God's Word are called oftentimes nowadays extremists or we're called terrorists. And many times our faith is openly mocked uh, just simply because we believe what the Bible says is true. And yet, even though our faith may be mocked by the world, we see in this account of Scripture uh, that Jesus found something that made him marvel, that made him surprised, that made him amazed, and and that was faith, okay? The the faith of the centurion. Jesus commended this centurion here for his faith, while at the same time, I believe, he was rebuking the Jews because of their lack of it, okay? He said, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. That is where he should have found it. Right? he Among the Jews, among his, his chosen people, yet it was missing with them. Yet it was present in this Gentile, this Roman, this occupier, this centurion soldier. Right, It was found with him. And I like what the word marvel means. It means a wonder. Uh, something that arrests our attention or, or causes a person just to stand and gaze in amazement. You know, there's only two instances in Scripture where Jesus marveled at someone, and uh, both instances had to do with their faith. And here in our text, Jesus marveled at the faith of the centurion, and in other times, uh, another time that Jesus marveled was in the book of Mark and uh, verse uh, chapter or Mark chapter six. If you'll turn over there, we'll look at that. Mark chapter six. Hold your place in Luke 7, Mark chapter 6, and we'll look at verses 4 through 6. Verse 4 says, But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he Could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them? And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. He marveled because of their unbelief. And I don't know about you, but that's an amazing thought that Jesus marveled. Jesus was amazed. Jesus was surprised by what he had found. Okay, And he he was surprised by where he found it, and he was surprised by in whom he found it. And when you read through here the the life of Christ that's given to us in the Gospels, you notice right away that many times uh, uh, Jesus was uh, the one who amazed people. That was the usual thing. Jesus amazed people. People stood in amazement at what Jesus said or by what he did or by what he taught. And we know, uh, if you've been around uh, the Bible or around church any amount of time, uh, that Jesus was, uh, people were amazed when Jesus uh, uh, dis- uh, showed his power over nature. You know, uh, We know the story of how, uh, as Jesus and his disciples were out on a boat on the Sea of Galilee, and and Jesus was asleep, and and a storm came up, and you know the story how uh, the disciples were afraid for their life. They thought they were going to die, and Jesus is there sleeping. And uh, so they uh, they go over to Jesus, and they wake him up and say, "Uh, Lord, save us, we perish, and he said unto them, you know, uh, why are you fearful? O oh, ye of little faith. And Jesus got up. He, he rebuked the wind. He rebuked the sea. And, and he, everything was calm. He calmed the storm. They, but I like what it says there in Matthew eight twenty seven. But the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this? that even the winds and the sea obey Him. They marveled at Jesus. And then people were amazed how Jesus had power to, to forgive sin and to, to, uh, uh, to give uh, 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 healing for sickness. We know in Matthew 9 tells a story about the, the man of the palsy that came to Jesus and and uh, Jesus didn't immediately forgive his, or didn't immediately heal him of his sickness of the palsy and he comes in and Jesus says hey thy sins be forgiven thee of course all the scribes and people that were around were were uh, were, were thinking in themselves that, that man Jesus is blaspheming nobody can forgive sin but but God only and of course Jesus knew what they were thinking and and uh, he says, for whether it's easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and walk. I love that. I, you know, that Jesus, it's just as easy for Jesus to forgive sin as it is to heal somebody. Amen. And, uh, and uh, just to show that he could forgive sin, uh, he went ahead and uh, healed the man too. You know, people were amazed. It says there in that verse um, in Matthew 9 Verse 8, but when the multitudes saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. You know, people are also amazed at his power over unclean spirits. In Matthew 9, 33, it says, and when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake and the multitudes marveled, saying it was never so seen in Israel. People were amazed by what Jesus could do. People were amazed, too, at the power of his doctrine. In Matthew chapter 7, the Sermon on the Mount, um, in, in verse 28, it says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. They were astonished at his doctrine. I wonder about us this morning. Are we still amazed by what Jesus said or did are we, can we read the word of God and still be amazed that he calmed the storm, that he healed people, that he cast out demons? Can we still be amazed by that? Or is it just become, you know, we just sort of read over that, you know? Um, you know, I'm just, I'm thankful and we, we praise the Lord for um, just what he has done. His, he's amazing. Uh, just his amazing life, and and um, we can praise the Lord for what He's done in our life as well. Amen. Amen. Um, boy, uh, we we read about all the amazing things that He did, but boy, when we start to think about all the amazing things He's done in our own life, you know what a what a what an amazing thing you know to think that we can just praise Him for that. You know, but I wonder as. As good as it is to think about how amazing Jesus is, I wonder if Jesus would be amazed by our faith. Would Jesus be amazed at our faith? Like he was amazed by the faith of the centurion. Would he marvel at our faith? Or would he marvel at our lack of faith? You know, here in, uh, in our text back in Luke, we see in verse 1, the what's taking place here in the Scriptures. And in verse 1 it says, Now when he had ended all his sayings and the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. Now in context, Jesus here had just finished preaching his sermon on the mount and he, he's making his way now down the mountain there and into the city of Capernaum. And in that sermon, Jesus preached about the characteristics and that make up a true disciple. And you could go back and, and read those. But a true disciple is, is someone the, the Bible describes back in uh, the, the previous chapter uh, as someone that's going to love their enemies. A true disciple is someone that's going to be compassionate. A true disciple is going to be forgiving. A true disciple is going to be generous. And Uh, And there's some other uh, uh, characteristics listed there. But as Jesus finishes his his sermon, he comes down to the city of Capernaum where he's going to encounter this man, this centurion, that is really a demonstration or really a a living illustration of of what he had just been preaching about. And it's this Roman centurion. He's struggling with the problem. I want you to see uh, what... We see here that Jesus looked at in the centurion that caused him to marvel, that caused him to be amazed. And I see, first of all, here the compassion of the centurion. In verse number two, it says, "And a certain centurion's servant was, uh, who was sick, was, uh, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die." So the problem that the centurion is struggling with is. Really, the imminent death of his uh, sick servant. The servant is going to die. But what's interesting here is that he was actually concerned about it. Okay? Probably most of the time, these, these servants or these slaves, they were mistreated by their owners. They, they, uh, they, they were basically just property. Okay? They, they were just a tool to be used. Uh, uh, many times uh, uh, these 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 slaves were many times abused by their masters. Yet and they, and really they could do anything they wanted to do to these slaves without any consequence. They could they could kill them and nothing would happen. They're the centurion. They can do whatever they want. No consequence. They had immunity uh, from any consequence. And yet in this account we see the the servant or the slave was sick and he was close to death and the centurion his his master actually cared about it you know what that's a an amazing thing he had a caring master what a good thing that for that servant right <laughs> that servant uh, was probably very thankful that his master cared about him because he he got sick he was going to die and uh, he could have just been thrown away and no care given and and die and uh, And yet, this man cared about him. The Bible says that this slave had a master that cared. He was dear. And um, so, what a blessing that this man had this in his life. And, um, you know, what, what do we do when... Someone that we care about gets sick or gets injured of some sort. You know, don't you? Don't we want to try to to find some kind of medication that might heal them and and um, and take care of that problem? And and uh, uh, and if that doesn't work, maybe a trip to the doctor is in order. Uh, we do what we can to to find help for somebody that we care about, somebody that we love. And and this centurion, he cared about the this his servant and he was determined to find some way to help him to to find some remedy so that he could live and and maybe he tried all the medicine maybe he went to all the doctors that were there and they they just all said the same thing there's no hope there's no cure but 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 uh, that there's nothing that could be done but you know that didn't stop him from trying that didn't quench his spirit of compassion that he had and and, and uh, you know, sometimes it's easy for, for us to forget or to look past the fact that, you know, we live in a world, don't we, that has a lot of people in it that are sick. They're in the same condition that this centurion servant is in, in a spiritual sense. You know, there's a lot of people that are sick with something called sin, right? All of us, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short. Of the glory of God, you know that 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 uh, that means me. <laughs> that means all of us. Uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We were born that way. We were born with that sickness, that disease called sin, and um, and and there's no cure for it. Even though people try to find a cure through religion, right? through uh, praying to Mary, through whatever, there's no cure there, is there? The only cure is through Jesus Christ. You know, so this centurion, he, he uh, loved his servant, he cared about him, and he wanted to find that, that uh, remedy for him. But... You know, one of the great things here that we see as we look at the compassion of this man is that, you know, just as he had that compassion for his servant, I think we as Christians, people who have believed on Jesus Christ that we are saved, that we need to have that same compassion towards those who are not yet saved. You know, that's the reason we go to Croatia. We've been to Russia and Estonia. We're trying to get the gospel, uh, the remedy uh, uh, for that sickness called sin to those people. And all uh, people all over the world have this need to hear about this cure. Uh, that's, it's not in a religious system. It's in the person and the name of Jesus Christ. So God had compassion on us, too, when he sent his son, Jesus. Isn't that great? The Bible says in John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Psalms 86:15, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy, and truth. Matthew nine thirty six says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Don't let anyone tell you that our God is a mean God. He is a God of compassion. He wants all of us to be in heaven someday. He wants all of us to be able to spend eternity with Him in heaven. And all we have to do is accept Him as our personal Savior. We get to God through Jesus Christ, not through the Baptist church, not through a Catholic church, not through any church. You know, this centurion had tried everything, yet he came to a point where there was nowhere else to turn. You know, he had compassion, right? Yet, uh, in it that in and of itself wasn't enough to heal his servant. So, we see that uh, the faith of this centurion started when he had a need. Okay? Uh, this centurion had a need. He had this need to get his servant healed, right? He was sick. He's going to die. He wanted to find some way to heal him, but um, he had compassion, yet he was powerless to provide that cure. Well, I want to show you what happens next here in this passage in verse 3 and 4, and I want you to see, secondly, the plea of the centurion, or we could say the prayer of the centurion. It says in verse 3, And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews beseeching him, that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. You know, isn't it true that people don't usually turn to the Lord until they have some kind of a need or they have some kind of a problem that they can't solve themselves? When there's nowhere else to turn, they they finally are at the end of the rope. They'll say, you know, I... I just need to turn to the Lord. And when people are at the end of themselves, uh, many times they do turn to the Lord Jesus Christ because they can't find answers anywhere else. And and really the world offers answers, don't they? (laughs) You know, in in psychology or whatever it is, they they, they think they have all the answers, yet the only answer is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here we find the centurion realizing that there's nothing he could do but there was something that Jesus could do, amen? The Bible tells us that he heard of Jesus. And I love that phrase, that's a beautiful phrase. He heard of Jesus. You know, there's so many people in this world who have never once heard of Jesus. And that surprises me. We have so much technology and there's still people in this world that don't know Jesus or have never heard of him. Some may have heard of Jesus and they, they, they don't know who he is still. I hope that the Lord would would help us to, to speak more of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the centurion had heard of Jesus. You know, I'm thankful that he did. Maybe the centurion was kept informed about what was taking place in the lives of the Jews that were under his command and under his control there in that area. Maybe the centurion had gotten reports back from his soldiers about what Jesus was doing and how he was healing various people. You know, maybe somebody told the centurion how uh, Jesus healed a nobleman's son who was uh, close to death. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe he had heard the account of how Jesus uh, cast out an unclean spirit from a man. Maybe he heard about that miracle when he healed that man that was sick of the palsy. Maybe he heard about all these things. And, and uh, when the time came and his servant got sick and uh, he's, he may have just, re, that may have triggered something in his mind that, hey, I heard about this man, Jesus. He, he was doing these things. He was healing people. He was helping people that were sick. You know, Again, as, as Bible believers, we have a responsibility upon us to make sure that people hear about Jesus because He's the one with the answers to the problems of life. The Bible says, go into all the world to preach the gospel Okay, to every creature. You know That's why we talk to people out on the street. That's why we witness to people. That's why we pass out Bibles. We, that's why we go into a gypsy village. Amen. It's why we preach on sin and a need to trust Christ alone for salvation. You know, most people think oftentimes they're good people, right? (laughs) Um, Yet being a good person doesn't get us to heaven. And uh, so he heard of Jesus. And that's a great first step. He heard of Jesus and then... I want you to see what he does. He, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews and the next phrase in that verse, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. I love that too. It's uh, beseeching him. This, the centurion sent elders beseeching Jesus, asking Jesus, requesting of Jesus something. Maybe even they begged Jesus. And uh, I... You know, I think in a way we could, you know, prayer is asking, isn't it? (laughs) And we can maybe uh, use that term here, just, uh, you know, uh, have that compassion and want to see people healed and and saved. And and yet we're powerless in and of ourselves, but we know that Jesus can do something. And we pray to him, we rely on him. And, uh, um, you know, this centurion had a lot of authority. All he had to do was speak a word and people did what he said. Uh, he, any command that he gave, it was done immediately. And uh, you know, I know this is probably a military area and, and, and there's soldiers probably here this morning and you're used to taking orders from your commanding officer and that's what the centurion was. He was a commanding officer. When he said something, people did it. They obeyed immediately. But he realized there was... Something that he could not do, he was powerless to perform. And, you know, that's when he went and besought Jesus. He prayed to Jesus. You know, how many times do, do we have to just get on our face and before God and say, God, I can't do this, I need you to help me. Going to the mission field is, is beyond my capacity. It's bigger than me. The language that we we, we have to learn and, and speak is, is difficult and beyond my ability to to get down and uh, uh, you know it's it's disheartening after speaking Russian for so long. <laughs> People still uh, would respond to me after I started speaking to them in Russian. Uh, you know they would ask where are you from? where are you from. <laughs> they can tell I'm not from Russia. I'm not a Russian. I have an accent. Or they say I can speak English if that's more helpful. <laughs> so. And they're doing that a lot now in Croatian too. But uh, um, anyways, so uh, <clears throat> prayer is a declaration of dependence upon God. And when we get desperate or we get low, what we turn to, re- uh, what we turn to reveals what we truly believe. This man turned to Jesus in prayer or begging or asking Asking him to do a miracle. So, what's what's great about this, too, is that uh, this centurion was around a Jewish area, okay? Uh, What I love about this, he didn't place his faith in the religion of that area. He didn't go and try to become a a Jewish person and follow their religion. The Bible tells us in verse 5, it says, uh, For he... Loveth our nation and he built us a synagogue. He, the centurion, knew something about their religion that was there in that area, but there was nothing in that religion that he saw or that he believed could help him with the need that he had at hand. The Bible tells us again that we're all sinners. There's no religion that can help us deal with the problem of sin. He also didn't put his faith in the people of that area. The Bible tells us he sent the elders to Jesus. You know, uh, uh, he didn't go to the elders and ask the elders to help him. Hey, elders, can you heal my servant? He didn't say that. He, he, he knew the elders were of the Jews were just like him. They couldn't do anything to help him. He didn't use candles he didn't use idols or or superstition like i see so many people in croatia use no he he just knew he had to get the attention of jesus because jesus was the only one that could do something to help him so so we see thirdly the humility of the centurion The humility of the centurion. Verse 6 and 7, in Luke chapter 7, the Bible says again, Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed." It's interesting to me how all of the people around the centurion went to Jesus and went to him and telling Jesus how worthy of a person the centurion was. That's interesting to me. They went to Jesus, these elders, and they said, Jesus, this centurion needs your help. And Just so you know, He is worthy of your help. He's worthy because He built us a synagogue. Um, He's worthy because He loves our nation. He's worthy. (laughs) Uh, It's interesting how often, you know, people think in themselves, you know, I'm a good person. <laughs> when we're out witnessing to people and ask them why, you know, if they're on their way to heaven or not, you know, they always say, I'm a good person. You know, you know God's not going to let someone like me that's a good person go to hell. That's not the criteria, though. When the centurion speaks, he says exactly the opposite. He says he isn't worthy for Jesus to come, to his house. In verse 7, he says that he didn't even feel worthy to come to Jesus personally. The centurion here recognized that in comparison to Jesus, he was nothing. He couldn't do anything. We're not worthy to go to heaven. We're not worthy that Christ should come and live in our hearts. And the only reason I'm saved this morning, or the reason you're saved this morning, is because of the grace of God. As a seven-year-old boy, I place my faith and my trust in Christ alone. Not a religion. Uh, not my good works. Nothing. It, it, simply in Jesus Christ. Because He makes us worthy. It's nothing that we do. In Proverbs 20, verse 6, the Bible says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, right? but a faithful man who can find You know, again, when we witness to people and we ask them why God should allow them into heaven, they always respond by saying, I'm a good person or I treat people right or I go to church or I've been baptized as a baby. You know what? There's no humility in that kind of faith. No humility at all. All people are doing is proclaiming that they are worthy. When you say, I'm a good person. All you're saying, God, I'm worthy. I'm a good person. God, I'm worthy. I've been baptized as a baby. God, I'm worthy. I go to this church. I give lots of money to it. Or, 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 basically, we're just proclaiming our own goodness. God wouldn't send, you know, people think that God wouldn't send a person that's so good to hell. But real faith says, I'm not worthy, but He is worthy. Okay. Real faith realizes who Jesus is that, and that He is God in the flesh and that He alone is worthy because He died on the cross and paid for my sin and for your sins. What did Isaiah do when he entered into the presence of the Lord, the throne room there in Isaiah chapter 6? Isaiah fell on his face and said, Woe is me. You know, the centurion did not tell the elders to go to Jesus and tell him how good of a centurion he was. He didn't say, Hey, elders, make sure you remind Jesus all the good things I've done. Make sure you remind Jesus that I love the nation of Israel. Uh, make sure you tell him I built a synagogue for you. He never said that. The centurion simply in humility says, I'm not worthy. <laughs> You know, God doesn't want us to work to earn his favor. He simply wants us to trust his word like the centurion did in verse 7 and 8. It says, um, look at that in verse 7, it says, But say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. Say in a word. That's an amazing thing that the centurion said. And, you know, he just said, say in a word, and he'll be healed. It's like... I've tried everything. I've tried all the medicine, all the doctors, but Jesus, I, just say in a word and he'll be healed. <laughs> he exhibited some great faith right there. Um, and I wonder, uh, how, how did he know that all he had to do was speak a word? How did he know this? And again, he lived there in Capernaum. A lot of miracles that Jesus did were right there in that area. And no doubt he heard about all those miracles, and no doubt he heard how Jesus did those miracles. And many times he just simply spoke a word. And, and, you know, he spoke a word and that paralyzed man was healed. He spoke a word and the demon departed. He spoke a word and the sea was calm. He knew that the words of Jesus had authority. And that's why this book is so important. This book is God's word, isn't it? Amen? And it has authority and it has power. And we can trust it completely today. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, we know that the end of the story in verse 10 says that the servant was healed. Jesus was amazed by the man's faith and he healed his servant. And I close as I close this morning I wonder if God would be amazed at our faith. We've seen an example of this man who was compassionate, okay? He cared about his servant, he he wanted him to live. And I wonder if God were to examine our lives, would he find this Quality of compassion in us? Do we have compassion for other people? Are we compassionate? This man was an example of prayer. He besought Jesus, he begged Jesus to do something in the life of his servant. I wonder who are we praying for that needs to be saved spiritually? Someone that needs to be uh, healed spiritually. You know, I want, you know, we're, we're praying for our, our Croatian teacher. She's been to church one time, and uh, uh, we're praying that she will get saved, and we've, we've met her husband, and uh, just praying for them to be saved, among others. You know, this man was also an example of humility. Even though the centurion had authority, he deferred to the authority of Jesus to do what he could not do. You know, we see just a great example here in this passage of Scripture. Just, you know, some, uh, the servant that was sick, he was ready to die. Again, all of us are, have a, a sin problem. I'm thankful that as a seven-year-old boy, Jesus took care of that for me. And if you've never had your sin forgiven, or Accepted Christ as your Savior, you can do that this morning, and Jesus will fix that, will heal that problem and, um, and save your soul and forgive your sins. You know, then there's this area of prayer, okay? Um, who are we praying for that needs to be saved? Other people need to hear this message, this message of salvation, and then that area of humility. I wonder if, uh, you know, we can't come to God with our, you know, proclaiming our own goodness, okay? It doesn't work that way. The Bible says, um, there's none righteous, no, not one, okay? Um, You know, it's because of Him that, when we realize and come to Jesus, it's because of Him that we can be saved. You know, the Bible tells us that Israel limited God because of their unbelief. Jesus didn't do any mighty works there because of their unbelief. And I believe that maybe he wanted to, right? I bet he wanted to, but their lack of faith limited God. And I believe our prayer should be, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. I don't want to limit God. I don't want God... to, to, when I get to heaven someday, to say, I could have done so much more (laughs) through you. But you limited me because of your unbelief. I hope that we'll pray that and and say, God, increase our faith. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I hope that um, you can start your journey of faith by, by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior this morning. Let's um, stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to just say a closing prayer and have Pastor come and lead in the invitation time. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this, uh, this passage of scripture, what a challenge it is to, to me personally, and Lord, how, Lord, I just desire to increase my faith in you. And Lord, I just pray that. Um, you would help us all to do that. Lord, help us not to limit you because of our lack of faith. Lord, uh, um, Lord, I don't know if I would qualify as someone that amazes you because of my faith, but Lord, I desire that, and uh, Lord, I just pray that you would um, help us to think about this passage of Scripture about this man that uh, surprised you, that amazed you because of his faith. Lord, help us to be those kind of people as well. And Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know Christ yet as their personal Savior, I pray that today they would come and accept you as their personal Savior. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, Pastor, you come and lead in the invitation.